If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. A few months ago, I was contemplating what to minister on at the beginning of this new year. And the Lord brought the word unprecedented to my mind. And uh, so today we're beginning a new sermon series entitled Unprecedented. As I thought about the series, the focus would be I felt on the unprecedented things God would do in 2023 and beyond, particularly in our church. And that's still the focus of the series I'm beginning today. I, as I thought about it, I thought I would begin today by recounting some of the things we are seeing in Uh, these unprecedented times, things we thought we'd never see, like a mob storming the U.S. Capitol, like people choosing, so to speak, to identify as a different gender than the one they were born with, like things like the lingering effects of a worldwide pandemic. Certainly these are unprecedented times, but then I came across a blog that provided some additional perspective on the notion of living in unprecedented times. The blog made the point that really all times are unprecedented. It shared a quote by G.K. Chesterton who said, with every step of our lives we enter into the middle of some story which we are certain to misunderstand. That's true, isn't it? Think about the unprecedented events our world has seen in a little more than 100 years. World War I, early in the last century. The Spanish flu, which killed 50 to 100 million people. The Great Depression, World War II, Watergate scandal, bringing down a president. And the events of September 11th, 2001, all unprecedented. Every age, every decade, every year, every month, every day, and even every minute is unprecedented. Reminds me of a man who, when told to act his age, replied, I don't know how to do that. I've never been this age before. You can use that when someone tells you to act your age. As unprecedented as the time we live in may seem, there will be more unprecedented times ahead. Now that thought may be a bit chilling Uh, because we tend to largely view the unprecedented in a negative way. But I believe God wants to do some unprecedented things in our world, in our communities, in our church, in our homes, and in our lives. And that's a positive to say the least. Amen? Amen. I want to share with you today, as we begin this series, from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 21. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, 
And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of this first message in this sermon series is A New Thing. A New Thing, and it's taken from verse 19 of this passage. I believe God is still doing new things today, church. Now when I talk about God doing something that's unprecedented or new, I am not saying, hear me this morning, I am not saying that I have or anyone else has some sort of new revelation in addition to or, uh, and or superior to God's written word. We need to understand that God's word is the final authority. Amen? Any proclamation, any so-called revelation that does not align with the written word of God is not from God. Period. We understand that. But that doesn't mean that God's word is some sort of dead letter or that God has become inactive or passive. Far from it. God is a God of the now. I'll say that again in case you didn't hear me. God is a God of the now. His word is not some uh, dusty book on a shelf, not some dead letter, as I said, but it is living and active. And God is living and active in our world in the now. He is still moving and still doing the unprecedented in our world. But we are often too spiritually dull or apathetic to realize it and take part in it. In today's passage, written by the prophet Isaiah and projecting into the future to the time of Judah's Babylonian captivity, God tells his people that he is going to do something new and that they need to be ready for it. So today we will seek to answer the question, what do we need to do to receive the new thing that God wants to do? What do we need to do to receive the new thing that God wants to do. The first thing we need to do, according to this passage of Scripture, is this. Refuse to dwell on the things of the past. Refuse to dwell on the things of the past. Now it's interesting that as a prelude to telling his people not to dwell in the past in verse 18... In verses 16 and 17, God mentions the past. <laughs> but he does this to remind them that what he is about to say comes from the one who made a path through the Red Sea and then drowned the Egyptian army uh, when they attempted to follow Israel through the sea. So God is speaking to his people as the one who has done great things for them in the past. God is establishing who he is to them and what he's done for them. 
Now he says in verse 18, forget the former things. The New American Standard Bible translates the word forget as do not call to mind. The original Hebrew word means don't think of. So don't call to mind, don't think of the past. And then he, he amplifies that further. He says do not dwell on the past. We know what it means to dwell on something, don't we? The Hebrew word translated dwell here means to look at, to give attention to. Again, the New American Standard Bible translates it as ponder. So the God who delivered his people in the past, in essence, tells them now, don't let your present circumstances cause you to focus on the past and think of them longingly as, you know, the good old days. Don't, in other words, conclude that your best days are behind you. It's easy to do that sometimes, isn't it? We go through trouble, we go through difficulty. Boy, I remember when things were easier. I remember when things were better. Why does life have to be such a struggle? Because it's life, that's why. Don't romanticize the past. Don't focus on, don't dwell on the past. You see, Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul the Apostle said this, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. That's hard to do, isn't it? To let go of the past, to not dwell on it. I struggle with it. I don't know about you. Dwelling on the past, dwelling on, on, on things that have taken place uh, before. Uh, President Harry S. Truman said this. He said, men who live in the past remind me of a toy I'm sure all of you have seen. The toy is a small wooden bird called the flugy bird. Now, I'm too young to remember this, but I don't know if some of you here remember this. But he said, around the flugy bird's neck is a label reading, I fly backwards. I don't care where I'm going, I just want to see where I've been. That's like some people, isn't it? They're not really too focused on where they're going, they just remember the good old days, or the bad old days, or whatever the old days were. Dwelling on the past. Another quote, Dr. Warren W. Wearsby said this, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. Pastor Tim, what are you trying to say this morning? Well, I want to boil it down to three truths. Number one, you cannot depend on past victories to sustain you. You cannot depend on past victories to sustain you. Oh, remember back when? Remember when this happened and God did this? Yes, that's wonderful. But what about now? Secondly, you cannot allow past failures to define you. You see, the past, whether positive or negative, or as for, is probably true for most of us, a mix of both, uh, is not something we should be dwelling on. And, and many times we... Uh, we, we live through failures in life 
and the enemy of our souls, the accuser of our souls, you know, he'll come and point out what you've done wrong and how you've sinned and how you've fallen short and what you've done. And we get that locked into our mind and we fixate on it and we think, I can, you know, I can never uh, be successful for God. I can never be a victorious Christian because of my past, because I failed here, because I've had this habit or this difficulty. And we allow the failures of our past to define us. Say, this is where I am. This is who I am. And I hear about Christians living in victory, but that can never be me because of my failures and my shortcomings in the past. Don't let your past failures define you today. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, you can't live on yesterday's faith. I can look back on, on times in my life when boy, my faith was high and and, and I, I just saw God, I've, I've shared many times how God did a financial miracle for our church. And I don't know that my faith's ever been higher than that. Man, it was just such a wonderful time. Uh, we, we had a financial need and about halfway through it, God had started to meet it. And, and, and I had, and it's not, not due to me, but I had such great faith. I, I told the people, I said, you know, we're about halfway through a miracle. Uh, I was so confident that God was going to complete it. I said, we're about halfway through the miracle, and I'm going to share it with you when God completes it. And he did, and I did, amen, because faith was high. You ever have times like that? You just know God speaks a word, and God begins to act, man, your faith is high. And then time passes, and new trials come, and your faith doesn't seem to always be at the level it was back then. You can't live on yesterday's faith. Lord, I need faith to deal with the trials of today. And how many times uh, do we, you know, have those past experiences, those spiritual highs, those, those, those victories when we've had, uh, as I said, a high level of faith, and then we come to the present, man, and it's just like we just... It's nowhere to be found. We can't live on yesterday's faith. So you cannot depend on past victories to sustain you. You cannot allow past failures to define you. And you can't live on yesterday's faith. That's why God says to them, don't uh, remember the past. Don't dwell on the past. Yeah, the past is there. There are lessons we can learn. There, 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 are, there are things that can, can help us as we move forward. But if our focus is on the past, we're going to be ill-equipped to deal with the present. It's like the illustration I've used, you know, when they teach you how to drive, uh, they teach you there's a blind spot in your, in your side view mirror, right? So when you're going to switch lanes, if you're going to switch to the left, you have to take a quick glance back. But notice it's a quick glance. Because if you stare too long in the, <laughs> at where you've been, you won't like where you're going to end up, right? <laughs> so you can't dwell on that. It's the same in our Christian life. We can't be focused on the past. Some of you are here today or watching online and, and you want to be victorious, you want to move forward in God, but you just have all this baggage from the past. And, and can I tell you, God doesn't want you to be chained down to that baggage. God does not want you to be held back, whether it's past victories or past defeats, whether, whether it's, it's, it's past triumphs or past failures. God doesn't want you to be bogged down by that. This is a new day. This is a time to move forward. And God said, even the God who, who made a path through the Red Sea and caused Israel to have victory over his enemies uh, said, don't dwell on the past. My prayer today is if your past is holding you back, or if you're, 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 you're uh, tending to, 
dwell on the past, that God can set you free from that. And say, this is a new day. Hallelujah. What's the second thing we need to do to receive what God's, uh, the new thing that God wants to do? It's number two, to seek to perceive what God is doing in the present. Seek to perceive what God is doing in the present. He talks about a new thing. We've taken the title of our message from that. He says in verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Notice this is in present tense. And it was in present tense when Isaiah wrote it, and it's still present tense today. God is doing present tense uh, uh, something new, something unprecedented. And Isaiah was prophesying, he was prophesying several hundred years into the future when the people of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, would be in captivity uh, in, in the land of Babylon. And in the midst of that captivity, in the midst of that difficulty, God uh, speaks a word that he is doing something new. Though they're in the midst of their difficulty, God is working on their behalf in the present. No matter what our circumstance is today, we have to believe that God is working on our behalf. Yeah, but Pastor Tim, things don't look good. Yeah, but God's working. Yeah, but Pastor Tim, it just seems like things are getting worse. Oh, but you need to understand, God's working. Amen. Romans 8, 28, we love to quote it to other people, don't we? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Some older translations say all things work together. But the, but the, 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 the message of the original Greek is, as the NIV has it here, we know that in all things, all experiences, all circumstances, all difficulties, all challenges, all problems, all uncertainties, in all things, God is, present tense, uh, working for the good of those who love him. And who have been called according to his purpose. God says, I am doing a new thing. God is always doing new things. We may not perceive it, we may not recognize it, but God is doing new things. He says, secondly, he says, now it springs up. The Hebrew uh, of the, for the word translated springs means sprouts, buds, or grows. God's works may have modest beginnings, but they are relentlessly moving forward. Scripture says, despise not the day of small beginnings. It is springing up now. It is springing up now. It's happening now. And, and, and God is moving now. And then he says, thirdly, he says, do you not perceive it? Now here's where, here's where the rub comes in, okay? Do you not perceive it? The Hebrew word translated perceive here means to know by observing and reflecting. It can also mean to know by experiencing. The New American Standard Bible translates it as be aware of. Are you not aware of what God is doing? Do you not perceive it? The spiritually sensitive can tell when God is up to something. I'll say that again. The spiritually sensitive, spiritually perceptive can tell when God is up to something. I believe God is always up to something, whether we can see it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether the newscast reflects it or not. God is always up to something. He's always moving. He's always doing a new thing. 
I love this quote by a man named Bill Eason. He said, God, show us what you are up to and run over us with it until we become a part of it. <laughs> I love that. God, don't just show us what you're up to, but God, run over us with it so we get the message, so we become a part of it. There's an old saying, get in, get out, or get run over. <laughs> Some of us, God has to run over. So God is doing a new thing, and, and the spiritually sensitive can perceive it. And then he says this. He says, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now he's speaking to people in captivity. And after having recalled what he did for the children of Israel when he made a way through the sea, and the Old Testament tells us that he provided water in the wasteland, in the desert. He says here, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The same God who made a path through the Red Sea would now make a path through the desert. And he would provide streams of water. He would make a way out of their bondage and supply everything they need to sustain them. And the next two verses, verses 20 and 21, say that this would cause even the wild animals to give God praise for what he is doing. Unprecedented. God is up to something new. God is up to something new. I think it's easy to see that God is up to something new in these unprecedented times in which we live right now. We already, Vivian already mentioned, and you know about the overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision, which erroneously found some right to abortion in our Constitution. And, and you know, that was 50 years ago. And we thought we'd never see the end of that. Come on, let's be honest. We thought that was never, we'd never see an end of that. And God brought an end to it. Hallelujah. 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 Unprecedented. On, on uh, January 2nd, most of you know, if you're, if you're sports fans, you know, and even if you're not, you probably know about, you've heard the name Damar Hamlin. You heard that name? Young 24-year-old young uh, defensive back for the Buffalo Bills made a tackle. Uh, the runner's helmet hit him in the chest. He made a tackle. He stood up for a few seconds and fell back down on the ground. His heart went into cardiac arrest. The Medical personnel rushed out on the field, gave him CPR, got his heart beating again. And we saw something we never thought we'd see. We saw these uh, big, burly NFL players, most or if not all of them millionaires, kneeling on the, 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 the surface of that football field, calling out to God. Hallelujah. We saw uh, Dan Orlovsky, one of the, the commentators on ESPN later on, while he was at the news desk talking about this incident, he said, you know, I was raised to believe in the power of prayer, and right now we're going to offer a prayer for DeMar Hamlin and on national television, on ESPN of all places. Let me tell you, the NFL and, the e and ESPN uh, have not been kind uh, to, to, uh, to those of faith. 
to spiritual matters. There are believers, of course, at every sports league, but, but those institutions have not been uh, friendly to spiritual things and spiritual values. And on national television, Dan Arlovsky bowed his head and offered a prayer to Almighty God. And I saw the first game the next week. Many of you did. Uh, two teams, uh, Jacksonville and, and the Chargers, I think, before their uh, season-ending game, the, the two teams, the entire teams, Players, coaches, medical personnel, all staff gathered at midfield at the 50-yard line and bowed their knees and prayed before that game in the NFL. Did you ever think you'd see that? I never did. I never did. Unprecedented. DeMar Hamlin had a, had a, has a charity for, did you hear about this, a toy drive. And he, you know, he's, he, before this, he, he, I'd never heard of him. Probably most, most, most fans outside of Buffalo had never heard of him. He wasn't a big-name player. He had a modest goal to raise $2,500 for this toy drive. Last I heard, this was last week, the, the donations after this incident were up to $8.9 I'm sure they're more than that now. Wow. God does the unprecedented the unimaginable. God is up to something. And he will use uh, the godless institutions of this world uh, to bend to his will to do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Something else that amazed me, and this, you, 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 you may, after talking about that, you may think, well, Pastor Tim, this isn't much. We had, we had, you know, we, we had these uh, prayer meetings scheduled for this week, and, you know, I thought, come on, prayer meetings, maybe we'll get five or six, you know. We had 16, 17 people or more every night this week coming here to pray. That might not sound like a lot to you, but, oh, me of little faith, it sounds like a lot to me. We had good times of prayer, and we're going to have more of them. God is up to something. God is on the move. Don't believe the doomsayers and the naysayers and, and all those who say, you know, the age of miracles has passed. God is done with America. God is done with our world. God is done with our church. God is done with us. Uh, everything is just status quo. You know, there, 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 was a, there was a belief system, a movement uh, back in the early days of our country. It was called deism. Did you ever hear of that? Deism. Uh, the, the, the main tenet of deism is that God created the world, created the universe and all the systems of the world and set everything in motion and then just stepped back and has nothing more to do with it. And uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of modern day uh, people and a lot, even in the church who may not, have never heard the term deism but they have a deistic approach that God just set everything in motion and the Bible's just some uh, you know, rule book that we follow and, and nothing, nothing new is going to happen and God is not active. I thoroughly reject that notion because I believe God is on the move. Hallelujah. We need to be careful not to be so fixated on our current difficulties that we fail to perceive what God is doing. I love this quote that I heard. It said this, hurdles are not stop signs. <laughs> I love that. 
Hurdles are not stop signs. Do we have hurdles? Do we have uh, things we need to jump over? Do we have battles? Do we have difficulties? Yes, we do, because the enemy of our souls still opposes. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Almighty God wins in the end, amen? He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is in control. And we need to perceive what he's doing. We need to understand that Almighty God is on the move. He's up to something. He's doing something new. Conclusion, we ask the question, what do we need to do to receive the new thing God wants us to do? It's very simple. Two things. First, refuse to dwell on the things of the past. Uh, they're there to teach us. They're there to help guide us. But we can't be fixated on the things of the past. Secondly, seek to perceive what God is doing in the present. God is not only doing things in our world in our culture, he wants to do something new in your life. He wants to take you to a new place in 2023 and beyond. There's still so much that needs to be done. God is not finished with our world, our nation, our communities, our schools, our church, our families, and our lives. He's on the move. The question is, are we able to perceive what he's doing and ready to be part of it? What do you say, church? You see, it's either, it's either same old, same old, business as usual. And there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Christians, and I, and I say this lovingly, there are a lot of Christians who are very content with that approach. God, just, just don't let any more problems come up. Lord, I'll go to church. Lord, I'll, I'll, be, I'll put my tithe in. I'll do, I'll, you know, God, just, just let it be smooth sailing. Can I tell you? When God moves and we move forward, as I said, the enemy opposes. It's not always smooth sailing. But I'd rather be moving with God and, 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 and seeing him help me deal with the challenges than just to have status quo and try and coast along, wouldn't you? If we, if we need to understand the status quo will not cut it. So this morning, let's rededicate ourselves to moving with God. Let's rededicate ourselves here today as we begin this sermon series, Unprecedented. Let's, let's, let's believe God for some unprecedented things. I like what Vivian said, 123 babies' lives were spared, but we're believing for more this year. It's going to be more unprecedented. I'm thankful for the lives that have been touched here in this church, but I'm believing for more. I'm believing for these pews to be filled once again. I'm, I'm believing for revival to break out in this place. I, I'm believing that our next prayer meetings are going to have two or three times as many as our last ones did. Amen? Pastor Tim, that's unprecedented. Dude, you're telling me. But I'm going to believe for it. Because God is up to something. God is doing something new. God is on the move today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.